Hello and welcome to the Diamond Digest Fantasy Podcast, episode number two. Uh, This week we'll be focusing on the outfield and pitcher rankings that our team put out for Dynasty Leagues, Uh, but that's not going to stop us from talking about some other stuff. Uh, Joining me on the show this week is Adam Koplik and Jordan Skaversky. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong, Jordan. Uh, no, nah, that is actually great. You pronounced it right. One of the first few people oh, who uh, wow. actually get it right the first time. Sweet. So uh, I'll let you guys go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, Jordan, you can go first. Uh, yeah, so uh, as Nick said, my name is Jordan. Currently, I am a junior in high school looking to major when I get to college in law or economics and um. I've loved baseball ever since I was a kid. I am a Phillies fan, and that's what I cover mostly for Diamond Digest, along with other MLB analysis. But, uh, yeah. Oh, another note. I also hate your favorite team, hate all of your favorite players. And, yeah, just putting it out there now. And looking forward to having a good talk with you guys. Um, my name is Adam Koplik. Some of you guys may recognize me from the Demons Barbershop podcast or the first Diamond Digest podcast that I was on with Jordan. And, uh, yeah, I'm a diehard Yankee fan, so you probably hate me. And let's get started. All right. So we're going to dive in by starting and focusing on our outfield rankings. Uh, so... To absolutely no one's surprise, as a team, we had unanimously voted Mike Trout as our number one, and again, unanimously voted Mookie Betts as our number two. After that is where things start getting interesting. You got Ronald Acuna Jr., Aaron Judge, Christian Yelich, Juan Soto, all real close there at three through six. Uh, so. Looking at individual rankings here, Adam, uh, somebody you had rated on or ranked on your poll was Jose Martinez, a member of my favorite team, the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, he was thirty. He's thirty going into his age thirty season. Uh, finished thirty fourth last year, uh, or thereabouts, depending on the league that you're in and your scoring system. You had him, however, at number 19 on your poll, and you were one of only two uh, of our riders who had him in your top 24. Uh, Just looking for some insights as to what you, or why you gave him that ranking. I I didn't know much about Martin. I actually had no idea who he was until July of last year about, but I just saw something that the Yankees were rumored to have interest, so I decided to look him up, and I, like, fell in love with this kid. He's just, like, a pure... I mean, you would know better than me, but he's a pure hitter. Last year, he hit over 300, slugging about 460, he, about 17 home runs. He's not... He doesn't have that great power, but he, I think he still has a 20, 25 home run power. He's going to hit in over 300... And I think he's just a great hitter that once he gets a good fit, and he'll really be able to do some damage and be a great add. And I think he could end up being late. He could be found in the fifth or sixth round in some leagues. 
He's certainly a great hitter, and his biggest downfall from my observations has been his fielding, but in, I'd probably guess, about 95% of fantasy leagues or more, it, fielding doesn't matter whatsoever. Uh, while we're on the topic of Cardinals outfielders, Jordan, one of the guys that you had in your top 24 was Marcelo Zuna, the 28-year-old outfielder for the Cardinals. He was number 15 in your poll. Last year, he had a bit of a step back from where he was in his final season in Miami. He actually finished just below uh, Jose Martinez in most scoring systems. Uh, I'm guessing my best guess would be that you had him up at 15 because you see his upside and hoping for him to recover. Yeah, that is uh, exactly right, and you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, I mean, let's just let's just look at 2017. He was with the Marlins. Marlins Park is a Juana. Pitcher's Park, and Ozuna was in a lineup with Yelich, Stanton, D. Gordon at the time, and he was he was elite. He had 37 home runs, a 376 on base, 144 weighted runs created plus. And when I looked to see him last year, when many people thought he would continue his, I guess, breakout season from uh, 2017, he had a slight shoulder injury last year, and I don't know if anyone's tried this at home, but it's very hard to swing a bat with uh, your shoulder all messed up. And even though he might have had a down year last year, I'm looking for him to rebound. And his underlying numbers were actually very similar to 2017 in uh, a bunch of different aspects. But other things that he's improved upon is his hard contact percentage went up six whole percentage points up to 45.2, which is Again, one of the elite rates in 2018, which is his down year compared to 2017, where he had a around a 39. And uh, one last thing I also found worthy of note is his uh, home run to fly ball ratio in 2017, his breakout year in Marlins Park, was 23.4%, which is about it's it's slightly higher than I would expect from him. But last year it dropped all the way to 13.9. So I would expect some positive regression for Marcelo Zuna and look to make fantasy owners happy that they can get him at a discount compared to last year. Right. And something you really touched on there was that a lot of his underlying metrics actually went up this last year. And I remember listening to the MLB.com StatCast podcast and they raved about all of his underlying metrics from this last year and how ultimately it just seemed like he continued to get unlucky time and time again on top of that shoulder injury. And I think for both Martinez and Ozuna with the new, with a hitting coach that is not John Mabry, uh, both of those guys who are more power focused will succeed a lot more in this coming year. Yeah. Moving into uh, some of the younger guys that were on each of your lists, Adam, one of the guys you had ranked, and I had him ranked right around the same spot, he has great upside, is 25-year-old Reds outfielder Jesse Winker. Uh, He was number 20 in your poll. Uh, However, last year he only finished in the mid-80s in most scoring systems in terms of outfielders. Where do you see this guy going in the next year or so? 
Um, you know, last year he only played in 89 games, so I think that that definitely would explain his low ranking. And Certainly. Game. And he also didn't have a ridiculous season last year, like, also because of those 89 games. But I do think that they saw that there were a lot of flashes from him that showed that he can be a really, really good player. His on-base was over 400. His slugging was still a little low, and obviously I'd like to see more power out of him. But I think that he's a lot like Martinez with a guy that he could end up with that 20 or so home run uh, potential, but more likely he'll just be a consistent 300 hitter, high on base, and I think I think he'd be a great. He's gonna be a great fit in Cincinnati in the outfield for the future, and I think that that's a very good pick for for just a guy that is has so much potential and there's a very good chance that he can have a effect on a team next season because he's going to have that everyday role. And one more outfielder I want to touch on is Kyle Schwarber. Jordan, you had him a number 22 in your poll. You, there was only one other uh, of our fantasy writers who voted for him in their polls. He's going into his age 26 season and last year did not look quite like himself. Uh, per se, although that has been said before about him, and it seems like he continually underperforms his expectations, and perhaps that's partly due to the Cubs lineup. But I want to sure, hear and uh, especially for uh, our uh, dynasty rankings, uh, Kyle Schorber is only 25 years old, and when he came out of college, he was one of the uh, most polished hitters. He was a catcher actually coming out. The Cubs had to move him for his defense, and he was a bit overweight, yada, yada, yada. And in uh, just flashing back here to 2016, where he got injured on the first game of the season, I believe, or maybe it was the second, but he came back in the playoffs. He had a 412 average and led the Cubs in the World Series and probably was, one, was their best hitter in that time span and pretty much showed his ability right there. And I right now... When you get down to like the middle rounds and you have guys such as like an Eddie Rosario or a, I don't know, Yasiel Puig or a Justin Upton. And then Kyle, I would put Kyle Schwarber right in that range because uh, Theo uh, Epstein, the Cubs uh, general manager, considers him one of their uh, four main pillars in their championship team. And Kyle Schwarber down here. He, and it wasn't even that bad. He had a 356 on base. He had a 229 isolated power. He had 29 home runs. And this was, again, in a down year where he's been disappointing ever since he's reached the major leagues. And I would look for him to maybe figure it out, not a bit later in his career because he's only 25, but maybe start to figure it out. And he uh, did slim down a lot of weight last year. So the concerns about his, the defense, which isn't really so much for fantasy, but it allows him to keep playing every day. And because he's now good on defense, it maybe gives him a little bit of confidence to keep improving at the plate. And somewhere where I could look, maybe he could improve is that 27.5 strikeout percentage. Maybe if he brings that down to maybe like a 23, 24, and then turns that into some other hard hits, we could be looking at a whole different topic come next year. 
All right, and as a segue into our conversation about starting pitchers, we're going to talk about a player who we included in our outfield rate rankings because we don't have DH rankings. Uh, Shohei Otani, who is both a DH and a starting pitcher. In our team rankings, he was number 14 among outfielders and number 21 among starting pitchers. He won't be playing any starting pitcher this year as he just had Tommy John, but he will be DHing for a majority of the season. Adam, I believe you and I both had him right at number 10 on our lists for outfielders and for starting pitchers. And Jordan, you had him number 11 for outfielders and unranked on your starting pitcher. Uh, rankings. So I kind of want to get each of your opinions on Otani and how he might impact both this year and down the line for fantasy or for dynasty reference and what kind of value he will possess even as just a DH or maybe if down the line the Angels decide to use him as just a pitcher. Uh, Adam, we'll start with you. Um, the reason I am so high on pitching is even though he won't be pitching at all next year, his the the stuff he showed in his ten starts was ridiculous. Like he has ace potential. He 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 may already be an ace when he's on the field, and I also do believe that. If worse comes to worse, and the Angels decide they can't hit him and pitch him, they will lean towards pitching him because, for one, they've been searching for pitching for years, and they finally have found it. And also, I th- I just think he's a better pitcher than he is a hitter. I think he's a very good hitter, but I think that if they decide that they can't pitch him and hit him, he will be a huge part of that team's future on the staff and I think that he would be he would be a great get for anybody just I, I I and he'll be a great get because obviously even though he won't be pitching next year he's going to get you the hitting stats and he was a very good hitter. I I think he's a better pitcher, but he still had 20 home runs in 100 and he still hit about 20 home runs in 100 games. And he hit near 300. He deserved the the uh rookie of the year. I think he was great, and I think that he's gonna be one of the best players in baseball on both sides of the ball. Both sides of the—that's not a thing, but he's on offense and defense. So I think that that would be a great get. No, great I absolutely player. agree, and a lot of his numbers go to show. Uh, his strikeouts per nine innings was at closer level at eleven strikeouts per nine innings. And he had a 126 ERA plus, which is very good for a starting pitcher, and a 357 FIP, which is a little bit above league average, if I'm not mistaken. And Jordan, what are your opinions on him as both a starter and an outfielder? Yeah, for sure. And uh, for me and for uh, other fantasy owners, I believe in order to... Uh, maximize Shohei Otani's potential for a fantasy owner specifically is to either pick to become either a hitter or a pitcher. And that's because every day that he pitches and doesn't hit, 
the Angels, rightly so, like to get him some off time in there to rest up his arm, usually one game before and one game after. And that can add up over a whole season because if he's missing two games a week, and that's not even including injuries, and talk about the stress it becomes puts on the different muscles when you're just an outfielder, outfielder and pitcher, I feel like for fantasy owners, if he just stuck to being an elite outfielder, he could be great. Or if he stuck to being an elite hitter, he could be great. I mean, let's just talk about the hitting right now. Just last year, his first time seeing Major League Pitching, he had a 152 weighted runs created plus, 22 homers and 10 steals. And if you put that over a full season, that's 40 home runs and 15 steals. I mean, that is top 10 in the game for hitters. He had a 361 on base, a 279 isolated power. So the power's there and the steal's there. And he's pretty good at hitting the ball too, contacts there. Now, if we want to look on the contrary, he is a good pitcher. And by all means, that's what many people predicted he would end up as when he first came over from uh, Japan. And he had a 331 ERA. Over a full season, he would have 240 strikeouts. And I think Otani can be a great pitcher, and I think the Angels maybe can utilize him in different ways as both a hitter and pitcher. But I feel like in order to maximize his value, specifically to fantasy owners, he should pick one. And to me, that should be hitting because there's not many people that can have 40 home runs and 15 steals in their first season of seeing major league pitching. All right, and moving into the rest of our starting pitcher rankings, we had an absolute cluster at the top of the rankings. We had three guys, Jacob deGrom, Chris Sale, and Aaron Nola, who each had three first-place votes out of our nine voters. And in addition to that, it just continues to get crazier from there. Uh, You had a fourth pitcher or sorry, fourth and fifth and sixth pitcher come into the mix at number three with Luis Severino, Max Scherzer, and Garrett Cole in the in the third place voting. So ultimately we wound up with Jacob deGrom as our number one, Chris Sale, Aaron Nola, then Luis Severino, Scherzer, and Trevor Bauer, and Blake Snell right there. And continuing down, it just can, stays remarkably close to the, the through the top 10 pitchers. One guy who really caught my eye in our voting was somebody you put as your last vote, Adam, and that was Lucas Giolito. He has caught a lot of flack this winter for having a not-so-great year last year. I had him on one of my fantasy teams and wound up at some point resting, leaving him on my bench on days that he was starting because he was doing so poorly. And he is only twenty going into his age 24 season, but as the only person who ranked him in their rankings, I feel like you would be a good person to speak on his behalf, Adam. Luis Giolito, like, sucked last year. And that's undeniable. He was arguably the worst pitcher in the league. But I just, I don't know, I've always had this love, like, just this love for his stuff ever since he was a Nationals prospect. Like, I just feel like this kid was a top 10 prospect in baseball. 
and he's had one he's had one awful year and that's undeniable but it's still just been that one year the year before he made seven starts like i don't th- I, he's had one full year in MLB and he got hit hard and looking at his numbers there's not anything that would make you think that that's going to change it's not like he didn't have bad uh babbit luck and i he his numbers don't make me think it's going to change but it's the stuff that i just can't i would just pick in between a few guys and i just thought that this dude struck my eye and i thought just think that for the future he could really surprise some people and he has a stuff and i think that's undeniable so i think that putting that giolito at that last spot it was a risky move on my part but i i just don't regret it and i think that i would i think he could be a really good sleeper in in just about every league All right, and somebody I wanted to talk to you about, Jordan, was Patrick Corbin. You had him on your list at number 15, and actually, I think I neglected him a little bit on my list after looking at some of his numbers a little bit. He is only 29 years old. I thought he was a couple years older than that, but in terms of a dynasty context, he has only pitched three full seasons since 2012 which can be a big alarm to a lot of fantasy owners. And when he's healthy, he looks phenomenal. I mean, last year he finished in the top 10 in most leagues uh, as far as starting pitchers go. But that health has to be a major concern. How do you see that playing out with on, with his new contracts with the Nationals? Yeah, and um, I wouldn't say it's uh, much of a secret that the Nationals have been pretty good at uh developing not developing but uh getting some elite pitchers the past few years with Strasburg, Scherzer and I think Corbin's next in line for there. I mean, development curve is are not always linear. He's 29 right now as you said. He's a late bloomer. He made a big adjustment last year, throwing almost 41% of his pitches as a slider which is the highest he's ever thrown. Usually he hovered around the 28% range, and it was clear that there was a marked improvement. And his FIP, which there's only three possible outcomes, the strikeout, the home run, and the, uh, the walk, the walk. So the three true outcomes a pitcher can control, he had a 247 FIP and fielding independent pitching. And that's, I mean, that's ace caliber stuff right there. In a contract year, he had 11 strikeouts per nine. He had a 50% ground ball percentage, so he likes to keep it on the ground. He gets guys out, and he also developed a new pitch last year, a curveball, which he threw 10% of the time. And that was one of his big strikeout pitches with two outs. And I was just reading an article on Fangraphs the other day where the slider and the curveball look so much alike coming out of the uh, coming out of his hand is and that hitters did not know if it was coming in on their hands it was dropping hard it was coming in and dropping hard and I know from personal experience that 
it's very hard when pitchers keep mixing that up on you. And I feel like Corbin, yes, he's been injured, but I, he has shown when he's been healthy that he can be an ace of your staff. And if you're getting him in dynasty as the 15th-ranked pitcher, as I have him, or if even if you can get him as your 20th-ranked pitcher in the fifth in the fifth round of a 12-team league, that's perfect for me, and I would jump on that all day. All right, and one more guy I wanted to talk to you about, Jordan, was Madison Bumgarner. He's, again, 29 years old and has posted great numbers every time he's on the mound. But the problem is, is over the last two years, he's only had 38 starts. You had him number 17 on your poll, and honestly, I his injuries have scared me out of even putting him on my radar because one of the injuries wasn't even an on the field injury. It was something, it wasn't in a motorcycle crash or something like that. So what, what justified you, him being in your top 24 given those injuries and his serious lack of playing time over the last yeah, few well, seasons? Just like Corbin, Bumgarner's only 29. He's in his supposed prime, although I would say the prime years of a pitcher has maybe gotten into the younger years more so. But let's just look back. From from 2011 to 2016, he was an elite ace, a starting pitcher one in all dynasty leagues. And he was was great. He was 200 strikeouts, near a 3.0 ERA every year. And he was consistent and reliable. And then in 2017, he had a, I believe he had a freak injury. Was he the one who had the uh, motorcycle accident by any chance? Dirt bike, yeah. So the dirt bike accident, which caused him to, uh, yeah. Well, the dirt bike accident clearly messed with something in 2017. And then 2018 was if you don't include a freak accident like that, 2018 was his first baseball-related injury. And sure, he was 28. He's going to be 29, coming off two injury years. It's been a while. But even while he's injured in the past two years, he's posted a 3.32 and a 3.26 ERA. That is still pretty good numbers. That's a starting pitcher, too, if I'm looking at it. He gets a almost 43% ground ball percentage. And even in his reduced numbers, he is a 8 strikeouts per nine innings. And if you look at his velocity during his peak years of 2011 to 2016, he was usually hovering around 92 and a half, 93 in 2015. And it has dropped the past two years to 91.4. But that is not a, that's not at a drop of like three, four, five miles per hour. That that's, that's one in it. That's one mile per hour. That is not very noticeable in the baseball field. Although, I will say there have been some underlying numbers that have worried me, including a 34.2% fastball percentage last year in 2018, along with a 41.6 hard hit contact rate against him. And that is that contact rate especially is not good. And I feel like Bumgarner in a contract year has something to prove. And if there's any guy who I would trust in, it's the guy who on two days rest can bring his team back in a game seven and hold one of the best offenses in the Kansas City Royals to no runs over five innings, six innings, and I trust in him. And I and I trust him to eke out whatever left he has in that pitching armor for the next four or five years. 
And there's been a lot of talk about him possibly being traded to another team. And how do you think that might affect him this year, especially with it being a contract year for him? Yeah, sure. So uh, the team he currently plays for, the San Francisco Giants, play in AT&T Park, which is, once again, a notorious pitching park. And whatever other park he goes to, most likely it will not be as good of a pitcher's park for him and his numbers. Although what I would like to maybe bring up is the Giants over the years haven't had the greatest defense. Last year their defense was Brandon Crawford's pretty good. But other than him, they're trotting out older guys who weren't very good at defense last year, including Longoria, McCutcheon was there, Joe Panic didn't have a great year defensively. And even if he doesn't go to a team that has elite defense, I think his skills and his just knowing how to pitch and coming up in clutch situations for a contender will make him even pitch better than he has on a rebuilding team because Madison Bumgarner is clutch, and I do think he will have a bounce back another ace caliber year in 2018 and hopefully beyond. 2019 and hopefully beyond that. All right, moving into our next segment, we will have the useless trivia part of our episode. I got two questions for you here today, and we will go over the answers at the end. First question, uh, who is the last AL MVP who was a switch hitter? It's a pitcher, right? Crap, I think it's a pitcher. <laughs> I think it's a pitcher because I think I've heard this before. I have no idea who. AL MVP. I don't know, Jim, Jim Palmer. All right, we'll find out about that at the end of the episode. Speaking of uh, the Yankees sucking, do you guys realize that we are now further removed from the last losing season the Yankees had than the Yankees were the last time they had a losing season from the moon landing? Hmm. How about that? Except 2013 kind of counts as a losing season. Oh, spoiled Yankees fans. You sound a lot like me and my car- fellow Cardinals fans because we haven't made the playoffs in three years. The Yankees had Zolio Almonte hitting second, I think, at some point in 2013. <laughs> I'm counting that as a losing season. All right, and the other trivia question today. In 2010, Armando Galarraga famously lost his... Perfect game with two outs in the ninth inning thanks to a blown call by Jim Joyce at first base. The answer to this question is, the: can you name the batter who got the hit? Oof. I'll, I'll help oh, you out by telling question. you this. The team that he was playing that day was the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, uh, wait, was Kipnis on that team yet?
17, and that's weird. I'll go with Sizemore. Alright, we'll find out at the end of the episode. Uh, Alright, so we're going to move into uh, some debates here. Uh, if you want to call them debates, I think a lot of us have similar opinions on a lot of these. First one, Juan Soto versus Ronald Acuna. Uh, Soto is a year younger, finished actually higher in most fantasy leagues last season than Acuna, and still finished three spots below Acuna in our ratings, or in our rankings, sorry. Uh, I want to hear what you guys think of these two guys. So yeah, Juan Soto through th came up across three levels last year. He is only 19 years old with a 406 on base percentage. He has the makings of a stud for all the years to come. But saying that for a single season and dynasty, I am going to have to go with my boy Ronald Acuna Jr. Ronald Acuna had 16 steals last year, which means he can fly on the base path. And what I want to focus on mostly is the second half alone, where he had a 322 on bit, 322 average, 403 on base percentage, and a 170 sun, 171 weighted runs created plus. He also had 19 home runs, which over the course of a full season would be about 45 home runs. So if you take those 45 home runs, 16 steals, you take a three around a 300 average, which is what he finished with, even with a poor first half for his standards. You have one of the top five hitters in all of baseball. And personally, I would draft him as he would be my fourth overall player in Dynasty, right after Trout, Betts, and Jose Ramirez. And Ronald Acuna Jr. didn't get the call just to – at first last year, struggled a little bit in the beginning, dealt with some injuries, and still finished with one of the best seasons from a 21-year-old in Major League history. Um, I will say this. I think Soto next year will have a better year than Acuna. I just, I, like, just after last year, I just think that he, that he has adapted to MLB pitching at such a young age better than Acuna has. But for Dynasty Leagues, I would go with Acuna just because his potential is limitless. Like he, He's going to be a ridiculous player. So n next year, I would take Soto, but long-term, I think Acuna is the pick. All right, it sounds like we all actually agree on this because I agree that Acuna is slightly higher in terms of a dynasty perspective. Soto might have adjusted to the major leagues a little bit quicker, but I think Acuna long-term is probably the better option. Uh, so we'll go ahead and look at the next one here. And I'm sorry to keep bringing up guys from my own team, the Cardinals, but let's talk about Walker Bueller and Jack Flaherty. Uh, I wish I'd done a little bit more research before I did my rankings, and I'm actually kind of kicking myself for it right now. But last year, Jack Flaherty, who is a year younger at 23 than Walker Bueller, who's 24, finished 
marginally higher than Walker Bueller in most scoring systems. And yet, as a team, we rated him, we rated Flaherty number 18 among starters and Bueller number 9 for Dynasty Leagues. I want to hear some of your guys' opinions, and I think, honestly, my opinion might have swayed a little bit toward Flaherty after doing some more research uh, in preparation for this podcast. Uh, I would agree with that. I think Bueller is... I, I do think that they both may end up as aces, but as of now, and they, I think you can make the argument that Bueller is an ace right now. His stuff is ridiculous. I I would be hard pressed to find someone. It would it would be hard pressed to find someone at that age that's better than him, except for Nola. Maybe I don't know. I'm not sure the exact age. Of Noah, but I think Bueller is. He may end up as. One, he will end up as, I, I think, one of the best pitchers in baseball. He may end up as the ace of that rotation because you would never know how Kershaw is going to be health wise. And while I do like Flaherty, and I, I loved when they matched up against each other last year, I just think that. Bueller just has the better stuff. I think Bueller's just the better pitcher. But Flaherty, again, is a would be a great pick. I, I love Flaherty's stuff as well. But I just think that there's a pretty big gap between the two of them. Just like the Acuna and Soto situation, I respect your decisions, Nick, with uh, liking Jack Flaherty and... I love him too. He's he's only just like you said. He's only twenty three, and he had a three point three four ERA. He has all the makings of an ace to come. And just like Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna, he's great. But and it's a big but. I would take Walker Bueller right now and in the future. Jack Flaherty's good. Walker Bueller's great. I mean, Walker Bueller had. A, Full season, 2.62 ERA, 10 strikeouts per nine. Take that over the second half after his injury, 2.03 ERA and a 10.35 strikeouts per nine innings. No matter what way you slice the dice, Walker Bueller, for me, is just better, and I would like him in Dynasty right now. And I would have him as in my top seven starting pitchers and maybe even a case for top five along with the likes of Nola, Sale, DeGrom, Snell, and all of those guys. But yeah, it's Walker Bueller for me. Yeah, I'm still not entirely sold myself that uh, Flaherty should necessarily be higher than Bueller. I just don't know that Flaherty should be so considered so far behind Bueller. Uh, especially playing in pitcher, very pitcher-friendly Bush Stadium. Uh, and he's got a great pitching coach who is only going to help him get better. He actually had a higher strikeouts per nine innings last year than Walker Bueller did at uh, a Flaherty had a 10.8 strikeouts per nine last year. And I, I think that he can continue getting some, uh, getting great exposure, great coaching from a, from within the Cardinals organization and possibly even help him overcome that, perceived disparity between him and Bueller. All right. 
And I know we have neglected relievers today. And I, the main reason, honestly, is because our rankings have were so much just pretty much as expected. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of qualms with anybody, any of our riders in choosing Edwin Diaz as our number one. I know all three of us had him as our number one and Josh Hader as number two. Uh, if you guys want to voice some opinions on those two guys, the, go ahead, or any other relievers. Um, I agree with that Diaz number one. I do think that the gap is very close. I would, I think they, I think with Diaz with the strikeout ability, he's gonna get a lot of saves and he's gonna get a lot of opportunities. So I do think that Diaz will be the number one, and he's also so young. But Hater, because he pitches for so many innings, he's gonna have more wins and he's gonna end up having more strikeouts total. So I do think that that will end up evening out. Maybe not, maybe not completely evening, but I think that's why he he's at number two. Because even though he's not a closer, he his strikeout ability and the and him pitching so many innings, he's gonna rack up his fantasy points almost like a starter does. Uh, not to that extent, but just I think. I don't think that the gap between the two of them is that big. And I do think that if Hader can have another season like last year, because Diaz is not going to have another 50-save season in all likelihood. If he does, then I'll eat my words. But I think that there's a chance for Hader to overtake him as the number one after this year. Relief pitchers are a... Widely talked about subject, and Edwin Diaz versus Josh Hader is no different. And personally, I, in real life baseball, I don't believe that there is much of a gulf between uh, a middle innings reliever and a closer. Everybody pitches the same. And personally, I feel like maybe a great middle inning reliever is more valuable for me than a late inning reliever because the fireman middle reliever can come in at any time in the game, high-pressure situation, and get you out of the jam. Whereas in the ninth inning, the game might already be over. But it is fantasy, and as much as I love my much as I love my middle reliever firearms, closers do win, and that's because of saves. Saves are very important in fantasy baseball, even if they are not too much in real life. So let's just look at Edwin Diaz and Josh Hader, just as relief pitchers. So Hader has the edge in strikeouts per nine innings, 15.82 to Diaz's 15.22. Fit, fielding independent pitching. Diaz has a 1.61, which is elite, like one of the best seasons of all time, to a 2.23 for Hader in 2018. Walks per nine, Diaz is giving up 2.09 to compared to Hader's 3.32. And hard hit cont hard hit percentage rate. Hater is giving up forty percent hard hits, and hard contact rate for Edwin Diaz is right around the twenty nine point three mark. And so, just by judging off of these numbers, Edwin Diaz is probably the better pitcher 
And I mean, not probably he is most of the stats. He has a significant lead except for strikeouts per nine, which is a 0.6 difference, very minimal. But the, but the thing for fantasy owners should look at is the saves. He has had 57 saves last year for the Mariners, 34 the year before. And on a contending Mets team, I would expect him to easily put up at least 40 saves, which is key compared to Josh Hader's, what is he going to be, five saves? So, yeah, it's Edwin Diaz for me. And Edwin Diaz is one of the all-time best run preventers. And, and you can see this from his 39 fielding independent pitching minus, which is a 100 scale, just like weighted runs created plus, but for fielding independent pitchers. So it pretty much gives all pitchers the same. Defense, park, stuff the pitcher can control. And Edwin Diaz had a 39 on a 100 scale, where below 100 is better than league average. And 100 is league average. And that is one of the all-time best seasons, just like Craig Kimbrell had. Right, and I think that gap is actually gets even smaller for the people who are listening to this show and play categories, fantasy baseball, as opposed to points. Uh, points league In points leagues, Diaz has a huge advantage over every other closer last season simply because he had so many save opportunities on a... Mariners team that had so, so many close wins whereas Hader wasn't really given that many opportunities to close and therefore didn't really have closes but he did have a lot of innings pitched a lot of really good shutdown one two three innings that lowered his whip and all that that actually matters for category leagues the last AL MVP to win a that was a switch hitter uh adam you were on the right track it was a pitcher it was vita blue i had no idea vita blue even won an mvp so <laughs> that was never gonna be uh i was never gonna know that and uh the batter who ruined armando galarraga's perfect game uh, sorry, it wasn't the batter. It was Jim Joyce. But the batter at the time of Jim Joyce's bad call was Jason Donald, the Indian shortstop, batting in the nine hole. Uh, I <laughs> was going to guess I that. He's my second who, choice. Yeah, I didn't even know who he was until I looked it up today. Anyway, that'll do a... Uh, That'll do it for the show here today. Thank you for tuning in to the Diamond Digest Fantasy Podcast. We will be back within hopefully another week or so. And until then, have a great day. And from all of us at Diamond Digest.